In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. There is a phrase that we sometimes use to describe someone's half-hearted effort at some task. And we sometimes say that they're just going through the motions. We can take a quarterback in a football game who is throwing passes, running the ball, but it appears that all of his drive is gone and he's just going through the motions of playing the game. Or perhaps a business executive who shows up to his office each day, answers a few e-letters, but never truly does any work, but he goes through the motions of putting on his tie and carrying his briefcase and sitting at his computer. This week, I encouraged a cust- or uh, I encountered a customer sales representative who, while being somewhat friendly on the telephone, was clearly not at all interested in what the problem was that I was having with my car, and I could very well describe him as just going through the motions because we weren't seeing each other face to face. Boy Scouts, don't go through the motions when you're doing your merit badges and your work. Just, just a word to the wise there. And sometimes, this is where we need to be honest with ourselves and not simply go through the motions of living into the Christian life. And in reality, it's a human problem, not necessarily defined by one generation or one culture. We see it in our passage from Isaiah this morning. We hear about it through the Torah. And part of what we also need to understand in our gospel reading from today, which is part of the Sermon of the Mount, is that there is a clear distinction that is seen by God. Our collect for purity, which we prayed at the beginning of this liturgy, Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. It's a prayer to help remind us that God sees into each of our hearts as we begin our liturgy and say our prayers, and that he knows what we're truly thinking and what we're truly pondering. Now, Isaiah is speaking to a people about rites and rituals, and a word of caution needs to be said about this Some of our fellow Christians are somewhat critical of a liturgy like we have that we celebrate each week. Prayers that are written out, prayers that we say every day, a service that changes only a few times a year, and even the idea of vestments like this, and fine linens, and candles, and everything else that we use. And part of their criticism, and I might add part of their correct criticism is that we end up doing the liturgy by rote. It is the seemingly sometimes mindless saying of our prayers. Our Father, who art in heaven, I wonder how much longer this service is going to last. I'm getting hungry. Doesn't Father John know that the Cowboys kick off at 1230? Deliver us from evil. And this boring service. I should have stayed home in bed. Amen. Oh, good. We're almost finished. Rather than actively engaging with the sacred mysteries that are presented here to us, that demonstrate and retell God's love for us, we sometimes get caught up in 
everything else that seems important in that moment. And this is the critique that Isaiah is presenting. You say you fast? What good has it done? You fast, but while you're fasting, you demand more workers out of your employees and become a tyrant. You fast, only it makes you angry because you're hungry. What's the new word? Hangry, I think, is how we describe that. You fast, but it hasn't taught you anything about having compassion for the poor and those who are hungry by necessity and not out of choice. You see, the fasting isn't the problem. It's the motivation. The going through the motions of fasting without the actual work of the fast being completed. That's the problem. Much of it is like promising to live into a certain code, a certain rule of life. And after a while, maybe finding it too difficult or too troublesome or it's just not rewarding enough. This morning, we are also celebrating Scout Sunday. And I think all of you see the boys and the girls, the young men and women here in their uniforms. There's even a couple older men and women in the back in their uniforms. I was a Boy Scout too once, many, many years ago. And I know that it helped form me. And I was thinking the other day, remembering the Scout law, and I might need some of y'all's help because I'm getting older. A Scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Yes, a code by which we all live into. And this is part of the larger societal issue with the church. People who are critics of the church say, the church says you love all people, yet you stand on the side of the oppressors from time to time. You say you are here to serve the poor, Yet when someone comes to the door, you sometimes don't even let them in the building. And you say the church is welcoming to all people, but then we don't greet and welcome the stranger in our midst when they come. We can use all sorts of catchphrases like walking the walk and talking the talk, and we can say all the right churchy things, but until we live it out fully and faithfully and truthfully, and unashamedly, and perhaps even with a clear sense of reckless abandon, we are like white-washed tombs. That's one of the criticisms of Jesus in Matthew 23 regarding the Pharisees, that they are white-washed tombs because they only go through the motions. They're holding the bones of their ancestors but there's no life in them. Both Isaiah and Jesus in today's lessons use a metaphor. The metaphor is light. Isaiah says that when we do the work that we are called to do correctly and wholeheartedly, with one eye focused on God and his love for this world, and our other eye focused on loving our neighbors, then our light will break forth like the dawn. We've all watched sunrises. We start with a little light, and then a little more light. And then in a few minutes, the entire sky is filled with the light of the day. And by that light, we see the world clearly. 
You are the light of the world. The church working through the love of Jesus and the power of the Spirit becomes a beacon for this world, filling this world with the light of Christ. Thinking about the many people who live lives that are darkened by this world, who can't seem to find goodness and love in all of creation, the joy of living in a world of abundance, what would it look like if the church truly acted as the light of the world? What if the church actually did fast in order to learn how to pray, in order to learn how to be light, how to share God's love in such a way that our light would break out in Portland and San Patricio counties like the dawn. Today is Septuagesima Sunday, as it was known in the old calendar. And what that means is we're about 70 days away from Easter. And in former times, this was the beginning of a three-week pre-Lenten season known as Shrovetide, in which the church began to prepare herself for Lent. And it was a time to start making commitments about prayer, deciding what God was calling to you to fast from, scheduling time with the priest and pastor to discuss your spiritual life and what improvements you hope to make during Lent. And all of it was in hopes of actually using the season of Lent, prepared and ready, be prepared, right? That's, an, that's another one motto, right? Yeah, be prepared. So that you could use the season of Lent, ready and prepared to refine and to burn away all those things that prevent us from being light. It is the time when we ponder how to fast correctly, how to serve more diligently, how to become Holy. Lent is only a few weeks away. And one of the things that we're going to be focusing on during Lent here at St. Christopher's is how do we serve our neighbors, both near and far. We as a parish need to discern, and it is a discernment, how we are going to be light that is set up on a lampstand and not covered by a bushel basket. And as we prepare for Lent and Ash Wednesday, and the first Sunday of Lent, I want all of you to already make plans to attend the great vigil of Easter, the night before Easter. That liturgy is full of symbolism, full of darkness turning into light, and full of joy that can only be experienced coming out of a holy Lent and a holy Trigium. This year, I'm very happy to say we will be baptizing two children at our Easter Eve service, welcoming at that point in time the world's two newest Christians. But here's what I need you to remember. The service starts in the dark. Slowly, though, as the liturgy begins, we light the fire in the narthex. And then from that fire, we light the paschal candle that big, tall candle, and slowly the light from that one candle, the Christ, the candle representing Christ, grows around the room to where eventually it helps us not only see our surroundings, but it helps us see each other. And eventually light 
light breaking in the dawn, the light of Christ will fill this place, will be rekindled in us as we end our fast. And by that very same light, the light of Christ, that light of the Paschal candle, we will baptize two children and ask them to help us spread that light throughout the world. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.